Now, when I bring out the talent, don't look him directly in the eyes. <laughs> you want to kind of avert your gaze downward. Yes. Okay. That's correct. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Mark Ripito, here at the Asgard Company. This is the Starting Strength Podcast, and we are fortunate today to be talking to our Starting Strength coach and and critical staff member and Starting Strength Seminars, Nikki Sims. Nikki is at uh, the freshly opened Atlanta Barbell in uh, Decatur. I, I'm assuming, maybe you can clarify this for me, Decatur is a suburb of Atlanta. Yeah. Right? It's in the city. Atlanta's just giant. It's one of the it's suburbs. It's a giant yeah. cancerous lesion yeah. on the face of the horrifying traffic of the United States. <laughs> The thing that impresses me most about Atlanta is that everybody on the freeways out there drives at least 20 miles an hour over the speed limit yeah. all the time, and it's normal. It's, it's just, like a murderous pinball machine every yeah. time you're on the freeway. Did you have to get used to that, or were you already a crazy guy? I don't have to drive on the freeway frequently. So. And you better get out of their fucking way, I'll tell you. Yeah. These people, they will run over you. There's probably been like 500 deaths by now just on the freeways. Just, it's nuts. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's quite a deal. Yes, it's this morning. It's yeah. just like Indianapolis 500. Well, you know, if you got a fast car, it'd be kind of fun. It? <laughs> so Nikki has got some, uh, uh, some interesting ideas about some things we've been talking about recently on the board. Uh, we... Uh, uh, take Nikki with us on all of our seminars that she's available to participate in. She's an excellent coach, excellent platform manager, and uh, is, uh, is terribly critical to uh, our outreach program and our development as a method. And you're about to see why. Nikki uh, had uh, sent me an email a few days ago suggesting that uh, we talk about some stuff and I said, good God, we've got to get this recorded. So uh, today we're going to talk about subjectivity versus objectivity in training in terms of uh, what we utilize as uh, a method of uh, controlling training variables and in uh, controlling, therefore, programming for training. So Nick, let me get out of your way, huh? Well, is, uh, I do want to get to that, but first off, I just want to take a couple steps back and talk about when people first start getting into exercising and then eventually to training. Right. So when people start something, like when they start going to the gym or they want to diet or whatever, they're going into it because they want to change something. They want to lose body fat, they want to get stronger, they want to feel better. And what happens is they start what, what we'll see often is people will start doing something that gives them kind of an instant feel of, I just worked really hard, I just got really sore, like that makes me feel good. And it tends to be kind of a short-lived thing without an overall view of what's actually happening. So they're just going by how they feel right. that day. Maybe. Right, in, in, in other words, the, the feedback on that workout was specifically based on their subjective perception of yes. what happened that day. Right. And it could be something completely different the next day, even if they've done the same thing. So the feelings 
feelings are not a useful parameter for a very long time for most people who are getting into any sort of like athletic feat or just to exercise or whatever. But it's it's spoken about quite frequently now on like Instagram and Facebook and whatever. It's just like, do this because it feels good. But when <laughs> you look back and see, like you want to look back at yourself maybe a year ago and actually see progress, you may not be able to see anything because you've never had an actual guide to measure your progress upon. Right. You so, haven't been able to so effectively write down the feelings. Right. Now, right. now it must be said that uh, our friend Mike Teixeira has got a training program that is apparently based on, on this. Uh, first, I don't believe that it is. I think that Mike's program uh, works just fine for advanced trainers who, are, who have the, uh, the background, the experience, the, the time out of the bar to more accurately interpret what it is they're feeling. Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. But for novices and for the vast majority of even intermediate trainees, this is, it, it's not a reliable way to gauge progress. And the data, if you decide to record it, it it's just bad data because of the subjective nature of that data. Yeah, it shouldn't be the focus of how you're, no. you're guiding your programming. Nor should it be the focus of how you're deciding to squat or deadlift or bench. Because especially when you start lifting, many things that you do feel uncomfortable. You know, if a coach wants to get someone to squat and they put them in a low bar, and then they put them in a high bar, bar position, they ask them what feels better, they're probably going to say a high bar because sure. the low bar rack can be pretty uncomfortable to begin with. But does that movement satisfy the criteria for getting stronger? No, it does not. So if we want to actually move towards, in the bigger picture, actual strength improvements, we have to pick movements and programming that satisfy certain criteria, and feelings don't fall into that right. in the beginning. Objective criteria are, are the logical basis for making decisions, especially uh, decisions about something with which you have no experience. Exactly, yeah. You don't know what would feel good or what would feel weird because you don't know any of it. <laughs> right. You just don't know. Now, see, I've been training for 40 years now, and uh, if I have to change the, uh, uh, the way in which some of the exercises that I do are executed, I'm doing it based on 40 years of experience, my own injury history, my knowledge of, of, uh, of training, but someone that, that wanders in your gym for their first appointment uh, is not equipped to give you a valid answer to the question, which of these two things feels better? It doesn't matter which of those two things feels better. Not really. it, it doesn't matter. What matters is your ability as a coach to tell people the thing to do that is the most correct based on your logical analysis of the biomechanics of this movement mm -hmm. and uh, the training effect of that particular set of biomechanics as related to a novice lifter. And if you as a coach must rely on your client's feelings about the execution of an exercise to decide which version of that exercise to do, well, boys and girls, you're not much of a coach because that's your job to decide, not theirs. They're paying you for your judgment, your expertise, 
your knowledge, your experience. And mm -hmm. by deferring to their subjective perceptions of what you're having them do, you have just abdicated that responsibility. Right. And we see this now they're off on some road that who knows where they'll go because there's no way to tell if it's correct or not, or if it's just, that it felt good for today, so great. <laughs> like, people need to look at a bigger picture than just how right. things feel right then right. and actually have, You've, you know, a template of sorts. Right, you've heard the, the ridiculous statement, there are as many ways to squat and deadlift as there are lifters. <laughs> yeah. Or you just have that to find like, uh, what feels right for you. Right, what feels right yeah. for you. That's... Uh, like, how do you want to squat today? How, do you wanna, <laughs> how would you like to approach the squat today? I'm just here, after all, to pat you on the head <laughs> and make you feel good about what you can do, not what you should be doing. Uh, Which is too bad. Like, it's yeah, too bad if a lifter gets stuck going down, going down that tunnel because in a few months or a year, they won't be able to see any measurable progress. Right. So they've invested all this time without actually having improved themselves. Yes, and this this new age nonsense is just is not any way to to approach training from a from a objective analytical standpoint. Because there is no objectivity and there's no analysis. If all we're relying on is feelings. So mm -hmm. uh, what what makes you think about this? You, I, I realize you're just, you guys have just opened this club. There's mm -hmm. got to be a bunch of people coming in the door. Yeah. Uh, now that have been to other places mm -hmm. and are bringing this baggage with them, right? Yeah, and it's not something that's been recent and it's not necessarily associated with new people at the gym. Um, honestly, a lot of it has come from the internet and what I'm seeing people recommend other people do internet coaches it's mostly from internet coaches right and it's just yeah you know whatever man just do what feels good you have to find what feels right and <laughs> and then i'll then i will see people come into the gym and they're doing like an over like a high bar squat with overextended back or a, a bench press that doesn't go all the way down because they can get more weight and um, it's just, it's turning into a mess. <laughs> so it's really well, on social media where people are like, no, whatever feels good, bro. And that's just not how, how it is. So I think it's, as a new, as someone who's getting into <coughs> changing themselves, you have, to, you have to find a process, like a real process that's going to get you somewhere. Or else it's like building a house just on what you think feels right. Well, you, know, you actually have to have plans to do something. It, it, it it all boils down to the, to, the, to the facts of the process. Do we want to base the process on analysis or on emotion? Now, you know, I, I guess if you're an emotion kind of person, then uh, emotional criteria, because that's what we're talking about when we're, when we're saying your feelings about it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to base it on that, then that's not really uh, even part of the definition of training. That's anything, that's point. anything based on feelings and emotions ultimately go back to the feelings and emotions that you experience during the workout today. Mm -hmm. And today is not training. Today 
is exercise. And that's not, that's not what starting strength and starting strength coaches do. We, mm -hmm. uh, we're about training. Mm -hmm. And the training effects of a correctly designed program, even for a person who wants to approach this as exercise, it, training just works better because it's designed to work better. Mm -hmm. Yes, design. That's the point. Is design, that design is the pro is the point of the whole thing, right? Right. From the sets and reps, mm -hmm. all the way down to the execution of the movement. It's it if it's designed to work better, mm -hmm. then it will work better than that which merely happens along. Yeah, and you can't always expect training to feel good, and you can't always expect it to feel bad. Like you're gonna go and do it, <laughs> right? And you'll you'll get through a heavy set of five on your text method intensity day and it might feel like garbage, but you did the sets, you got the range of motion you're supposed to. Maybe if you didn't trust the process, you would reset and then you've taken yourself back more than you need to. But you just have right. to know with training, some days feel crappy and some days feel really good, but right. you have to go and do it. <laughs> you have to do it because the execution of the training protocol is what produces the results. Yeah. Uh, your subjective feelings about that may or may not be valuable. They're probably not valuable because the process, believe it or not, has been vetted over decades and we know it works. Mm -hmm. Your subjective perceptions about that process may depend on uh, things that will not have anything whatsoever to do with the actual effects, the actual training effects of executing the training protocol. Now, later on, after you've been training five or six years, it may be that valuable information about how to apply this, this program is gathered from your subjective perceptions because they have now been tempered with experience. Yeah, you we, can actually use those. You to can actually use training. them, but for the vast majority of people, and, and by the vast majority, what I mean is, I think we were talking about this the other day. There may be at, at, the, at, at most, on the surface of the planet right now, 20,000 people that are capable of using subjective exercise feedback as a, as a, as a valuable tool for further programming. On the whole surface of the entire planet, 20,000 people, <laughs> am I overstating that? I may be, but, but there aren't many. Who do we deal with? Who, who at any given time constitute the vast majority of people lifting weights? Novices. Novices. That's, I at, train at, novices and in early intermediates and some advanced intermediates. There, for, there is a tiny little market for advanced power lifters. Advanced power lifters can deal with the tiny market for advanced power lifters. Um, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. And what we find is that for the vast majority of people, the process that we have designed that has been adjusted continuously for 40 years, in fact, is more important than the trainee's subjective perception of the effects of that process. Because to a great extent, physiologic response to stress is not altered by subjective perceptions of that stress. Mm -hmm. uh, three sets of five across does a thing to you. 
and that's what we want to happen to you because that is what produces the adaptation that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Two so, sets doesn't do it as well. Four sets doesn't do it as well. Three sets does it the way we want it to go. How do we know that? Because we've been doing this a long yeah. time and believe me, and, we've tried it all. And we can measure it on the barbell. And it's measurable. And, and the that's quantitative, another important thing. Exactly, the quantitative uh, results of the application of this stress are far more important than your uninformed, qualitative, subjective perceptions of what that stress felt like. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, and it won't matter for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, but it will make you, it will lead to things that will probably make you happier. You'll probably get, you, you will get stronger, depending on how you eat, you'll probably lose body fat. And that's, that's what people want in the first place. They just kind of go about it in the wrong, in the wrong avenue to begin with. And that's like, that's what I did. Like I dicked around just because stuff felt good. <laughs> right. But everybody does. Everybody does that. Everyone everybody does Starts that. by doing that. Right. Sure. <laughs> Everybody's first few days that they've ever tried to exercise yeah. in a gym are spent dicking around yeah. because they don't know any better. Yeah. I was the same way. Everybody's done it the same way. It's nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. Curls uh, feel great. Sure, <laughs> sure. They make you feel like you're working out or whatever the hell they make you feel like. But yeah. uh, <laughs> that is why this program is so damned important. If we can catch uh, new trainees uh, before they've spent six months wasted fooling around in front of the mirrors in the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's six months you don't get back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's you could have done a lot in six, six months. Six months you can do yeah. quite a bit in six months on a correctly designed program. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we see this all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you see people who like friends of mine or friends of anybody, we all have friends who go to the gym and they've been friends of yours for years and they're always going to the gym and they're always maybe feeling fat, <laughs> like they're always feeling something because they're just not doing anything productive. And it's kind of those people that we want to, you know, show that there could be a better way. <laughs> well, then the, the, here's, so there's, there's two different things that we can get specific and talk about on this. Uh, one is the execution of the exercises. Mm -hmm. How do we deadlift? How do we squat? How do we press? How do we bench press? How do we clean and snatch? And, uh, why do we do it the way we do it? And number two, programming. Why do we start off with three sets of five? Why do we, why do we only do one set of deadlifts? All of these types of things. Uh, let's, let's talk about them specifically. We're, we're, we're coming up on about 20 minutes right now and we don't want to exhaust your little attention span. So what we're going to do is make a two-part thing out of this, and I want you to come back and let's talk to Nikki about the specifics of, uh, of how a quantitatively derived program is more beneficial uh, for you as a novice trainee. Nikki, thanks for being with us today. Thanks. <laughs> and we'll talk to her again soon. And cool. thank you for watching the podcast. We'll see you next time.